When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. show for you guys playing tonight we will be joined by connor rogers from stick to football bleacher reports nfl draft and ncaa focused uh podcast man one of you know the more entertaining guys you'll hear when it comes to covering the draft and covering it extremely well it's a guy who puts in the work when it comes to film and uh breaking down talent and evaluating prospects uh we're going to talk a little wide receivers uh, and whatnot, and then we'll talk uh, some Kyler Murray news and what we think uh, Josh Rosen will ultimately get traded for. He will get traded soon, guys. Um, you know, we didn't quite pin Connor down for a date uh, when it might happen, but they're fairly, uh, you know, fairly confident that Kyler Murray will be going number one in the NFL draft this year, uh, up to about 99%, he said, over there with the stick-to-football crew, him and Matt Miller, who we will have on soon as well. So hope you guys enjoy the interview we have with Connor Rogers from Stick to Football. But before we get to that, man, however and wherever you found this podcast, please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and review. We appreciate you guys for doing that. Uh, You know, we won't hold out any longer. We'll get right into that interview with Connor Rogers. Thanks again to Connor for joining us. Check out Stick to Football as well. You know, when you're not listening to us over here at the NFL Mox Podcast, Give those guys a listen. They're pretty darn good at what they do. Thanks again, Connor. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on today's episode of the NFL Mox Podcast, we are joined by Connor Rogers. Connor is the co-host, excuse me, of Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, NFL, College Football, and NFL Draft-focused podcast. Connor, thanks, man, for joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast, brother. Hey man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Had a uh, you know a typical day at the office here in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, you know whatnot. You know, pretty nice day here. About 65 degrees, so it was rather nice. How about you? 
Uh, I can't say the same on the weather front up in New York City. We just can't get out of the 40s lately, but we'll get there real, real soon. But, I mean, it's crunch time, man. I can't be happier right now. This is the best time of the year. It's when all the fun really gets started. You know, late March, 40 degrees, New York, it doesn't sound terrible. It sounds about average. I mean, it could be worse. Am I right? No, you're spot on. I'm spoiled right now. I mean, I've, I've spent a ton of time, whether it's in the south or whether it's all over, and honestly, just we've just had not really harsh winters anymore up here over the last two years so i'm just spoiled i just want it to be 60 every day and i'll be good i feel you i feel you there all right so connor here on the nfl mocks podcast we like to do a little bit of research on our guests first and by research i mean we simply run your name through the google machine and see what we what pops up so uh, a little bit of our way to allow the listener to get to know you so are you ready let's do it man all right so where the heck is middletown new york and uh, what was Minnesick Valley High School like for you, Connor <laughs> Rogers? That's a good one, man. So I'm from about an hour and 15 minutes north of the city. Uh, my parents are from the city. They were born in Brooklyn, and my dad was a firefighter in the Bronx for 33 years. So we had to stay pretty close to the city. But um, my parents just moved up there just to kind of get us in different schools, I guess it is what it was. And mm-hmm. I, actually, I actually went to a pretty big high school. I graduated with 420 people, which... I didn't really know that it was big at the time, but the more people I talked to graduated with less than that, so I don't really know. But uh, it was good up there. It was quiet. It was nice. I mean, we, we had really good programs throughout. I mean, I don't really know. It's not really that exciting, to be honest with you. I can tell you, ever since I graduated from college, I'm really happy to be back down in the city because there's actually things going on, and there's public transportation, and obviously it's the Big Apple. There's a million things going on, so... It was cool growing up up there, but, like, you know, it's a place to, I guess, raise a family. It's not a place to be 27, single, and and working in Midtown. All right, so here's the deal. I've got to put a word into the folks over there at Wikipedia because I can't believe this. You are not on the column for notable alumni from Minnesota Valley High School. In (laughs) fact, there's only one name that's not tragedy-related, and that's Stephanie Dolson. Uh, a former WNBA player. So, oh. nonetheless, I will be putting in a uh, you know a request to have my boy Connor Rogers added to the notable alumni list there from Minnesota Valley High School. How's that sound? Hey, man, I hope so. Not a lot of professional athletes come out of Minnesota Valley. So, it's funny. Stephanie and me actually have known each other lightly. I mean, we haven't stayed in touch. Could she hoop? We went, we, well, yeah, obviously oh she she's, could hoop. She's, a, she's amazing. And uh, we were in preschool together and, and school all throughout until high school graduation. So I have this picture, well, my parents have it, of us like in preschool, everyone. And she plays center. Mm-hmm. So she is the tallest person in the entire preschool class by like <laughs> a really, really big margin. And it's kind of ironic. She went on to UConn. I think won three national championships and was drafted very early in the WNBA draft. So safe to say Stephanie has definitely earned that notable alumni page. Uh, I'm still working on it right now. All right. Well, either way, we can put the request in and see if it happens. I don't know if you know how Wikipedia works, but pretty much anyone can get their work up there, put on Wikipedia. Um, All right. So, Connor, how do you get your start, man? You start a few websites, I guess. You host a popular Jets podcast and boom, you're all of a sudden in Bleacher Report. (laughs) <laughs> Walk me through, man. How does it start? Where do you end up? How do you end up at Move the Sticks uh, there? Uh, excuse me, Stick to Football there. Move the Sticks is Daniel Jeremiah. I'm sorry. You'll, you'll get there one day, Connor. Um, it happens all the time. <laughs> but either way, um, how did you I, get your start? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't really have a conventional route, and this is what I try to explain to people is that you need some connections, you need a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work along the way. I mean, 
Uh, I'm not somebody that played professional football like a lot of these people that are retiring and mm-hmm. are analysts now, which is awesome. Good for them. It's great to have a career after football. And I've worked at one of them and Chris Sims, who taught me a lot of a lot of things that I know. So I, I went to Albany. I went to business school and I was actually a competitive power lifter uh, while I was in college just to kind of, you know, do something athletic in college, but not have to be up at what 4 a.m. and doing 8 million things as an NCAA athlete every day. Hey, well, I'm going to go ahead and stop you right now, Connor. Yeah. Competitive powerlifter is about the last thing I would have pulled out of my hat or, for lack of a better <laughs> term, ass when it comes to talking about what you might have done in college. Competitive powerlifter, man, where does that come from? Uh, honestly, I, I was just going to uh, to a local gym. Albany's like kind of ghetto. I know I'm sure you haven't really been up there. You never, you never have to. Don't go. And uh, there was like a local strength gym that was had USAPL events, which is pretty cool that they were sanctioned that highly. And the, the people that ran the gym were like, hey, you know, you could probably win your weight class if you can get down to it's 148. So I got to cut some weight to get in there. That's really small. I am not anywhere near that anymore. And I was like, all right, this is something to do while obviously studying, partying. It's not overly demanding as long as you show up five days a week and hit your numbers like you're going to get there mm-hmm. and it's just something that was really cool it was a really good hobby I mean I've always been into strength training it was just taken to a different level and I I think it's actually one of those things that's given me a lot of focus because like scouting is a focus-based kind of job I mean you're sitting there watching 300 to 400 players for every single draft so no, it, sure. I, I think I think it was just something that broke up the days and it, it's uh it's something that'll always be a part of my life I feel you all right, so that's enough about you, Connor. No offense, but let's get into some of these football questions, starting with that coach's photo. So if any of the listeners haven't seen it by now, simply Google NFL coach's photo. There's a photo of almost all the NFL head coaches down there at the NFL owners meeting, uh, an annual meeting they do with the NFL owners, uh, just to kind of relay the rules and see what, uh, and vote on some of the new rule changes. So Connor, Who's the coach in that photo who you just can't take your eyes off of? And who's the coach that maybe wishes he would have missed out on the photo op, like our boy Sean McVay and maybe even Adam Gase? Well, I mean, nobody owns the photo routinely like Andy Reid. But I have to say that the newcomer in Cliff Kingsbury this year should surprise nobody that uh, he's probably the runner-up and a really strong runner-up. And then when you look at who should have missed the photo, probably about 15 to 20 guys should have missed the photo. But I'll go with Matt Patricia because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because he's short. Actually, how tall is Matt Patricia? Like, I know head coaches are tall, so he looks shorter, but he just looks so out of place all the time. (laughs) Let's Google it. I mean, that's worth a Google. But, I mean, mean, so you hit on it right there, Cliff Kingsbury, right? And he's now in the league as a head coach and he's handsome as hell, does he automatically surpass Sean McVay as most handsome guy or most handsome coach in the NFL? Or how's that work, man? Is, is he got top dog for most handsome? What's, what's going on there, Con? Man, I have a conspiracy theory that McVay didn't show up because Cliff's in town now for that photo. So I think Cliff's the top dog. You ain't going to believe this, but I've got Google searches that show me Matt Patricia's five foot six. Yeah, no, I believe it. Look at the photo. I mean... I totally believe it. He looks significant. I mean, NFL coaches are generally around six and, feet tall. And that or guy's and that guy's in NFL locker rooms trying to be a hard ass. Five uh, foot six, is, Matt apparently. Patricia with a backwards hat. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to piss him off. I'll tell you that much. It's from what I could hear. He is. Uh, he's not the easiest in that locker room. No, I. I, I totally. Uh, get you there. I mean, you're pretty well connected, Connor. Um, when did that kind of start when, uh, you know, coaches started hitting you up or you started building connections? How's that work as a young person in this 
you know, NFL mocks kind of draft process in the in the media, you know, journalism world. How do you establish those connections? What do you do to reach out to those certain people? And, uh, you know, how do they learn to trust you with information? Well, there's nothing more valuable than FaceTime. And that comes from being at all of these events where you have the opportunity to maybe network with some of these guys, whether it's through a, you know, a connection, an intermediary kind of connection, or whether it is just random or whether they catch on to you. I mean, I've from going to the senior bowl for what, four or five years now, obviously the combine a couple years. And I know I'd like to honestly hit more pro days, but right now I'm in the phase where I'm just hitting games. I was at six or seven college football games in the press box for a couple of them this year where there are scouts and execs. It's just picking conversations. And I'm not out here, whether I like, I'm not Ian Rappaport. I'm not Adam Schefter. Those guys break news. I will never pretend that I'm always dying to break news. I sit on info all the time because it just helps me with my job and people trust me like that. And it's, it's good to have a lay of the land when you're evaluating each, each draft class and all these players and all the trades and free agency going on in the league. So it's something that really just comes from mostly FaceTime. Uh, and sometimes they'll know who you are. They'll really, more importantly, know who you work for. I think Bleacher Report is a big enough brand now where they recognize that. And if you're not, ultimately, if you're not a scumbag, people should trust you. All right. So it's all about building relationships and getting my face out in front of other people's faces. Right. That's what it sounds. Yeah, like. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> exactly what it's like. And it's a lot of flights. I'll tell you that much. I've been on a million planes Jeez. last year. All right, well, you know, I'm not too, too big, so, you know, flying's not too inconvenient for myself. Um, but anyways, all right, so I think I know the answer to this question, but are you at the point where you're 100% guaranteed Kyler Murray is the number one overall pick from what you've heard? And if so, if the answer is yes to that question, what do they ultimately get for Josh Rosen, and when do the, you know, the shop talk start with uh, Josh Rosen? When does that begin ultimately with the Arizona Cardinals, Con? Yeah, I think it's sick to football. We've been at 80% since January, so it's safe to say we're at 99% right now. I mean, you never want to put 100% on anything because there's just always, uh, you know, factors that could change anything. But I think ultimately Cliff Kingsbury has won out in that battle and, and took that job knowing that he could get Kyler Murray as his guy. So when you look at it, Kyler Murray is probably going to be the draft, uh, the pick for the Arizona Cardinals, number one. When you look at Josh Rosen, when it comes down to it, I can't see them getting a first back for him. I, I really can't. I think teams will stand pat at a two. Now, the interesting thing is, can they get a high two? The New York Giants have a very high two, and they are rumored to have interest around uh, Josh Rosen. Obviously, Washington's an interesting team. And then you get into the Chargers. The Chargers are picking late. So it's a, it's really a matter of how much value can they get because they just traded up for him where it cost them a third and fifth. Not too, too big, but at the end of the day, they used the 10th overall pick on this guy, and Ultimately, I just can't see them getting a first-round pick back for him now. So my question, Connor, is does Steve Kime have the balls to kind of just wait out till draft night to see which one of these quarterback-hungry teams kind of misses out on one of their, you know, I think we all agree here in the drafting world that there is kind of an elite three, if you will, in the quarterback class this year in the draft class. I mean, say what you want about Daniel Jones. We just had offensive line assistant Nate Leonard from Duke on the podcast, and he spoke extremely highly about Daniel. But I think it kind of, for most uh, NFL draft analyst, it kind of ranks out Kyler, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and Drew Locke there with first-round grades. So do you think Steve Kahn can hold off until the draft and one of those teams misses on their top three, if you will, quarterbacks? Or what ends up happening there with Steve Kahn in Arizona and Josh Rosen? 
I think they'll move him before that. I think they don't want to be answering questions about Josh Rosen when they get up to the podium showing off their new guy in Kyler Murray. And I, I know as ridiculous as that sounds, it's something that they'll want behind them. It's something that they'd like to answer the week leading up to the draft. And if they know Kyler Murray's their guy, that's as simple as that. Now, I do agree with you where it, it becomes a leverage play. Can they have one of these teams that misses out on a quarterback get a little crazy for Rosen? But you just never know. I, I think really they ideally would love to get this done very soon and try to get, yeah, of course they're holding out for a first right now, but I think realistically they know that's just not the cards. All right, I totally understand there. Let's play a little five-on-five. Five. Connor, this is a little segment I stole from your former colleague, and it sounds like former boss said you work for him, Chris Sims. If you had to put together a basketball team of wide receivers available in this draft, who would they be? We'll start with point guard. We'll walk through the positions one through five, and I'll give you my pick, uh, you know, in every position first, Connor, and kind of give you uh, the layout of what I kind of want at each position. So we'll start with point guard, and this is your elusive possession receiver, right? This might not be the biggest physical presence, but, again, he's a dominant possession receiver, always going to identify the open hole in the zone. And, Connor, I really want to take A.J. Brown here, but for safekeeping's sake and to allow you some big-time names available, I'm going to take Penny Hart here from Georgia okay. State at the point guard position. I love him in the slot, man, and a former high school quarterback. I don't know if you know this, but a former high school quarterback here out of the state of Georgia, Penny Hart, always going to be able to identify coverage and find the open hole in his zone. I'm taking him there at the point guard yeah. position. Yeah, I love Penny. He's a real interesting guy. He's had a really nice four-year career at college where he was productive in all those years, even with not always the best quarterback play. So for that transition for him as a wide receiver, he's been awesome. I'll probably go with Debo Samuel here if your terms of just a guy that can find that soft space, a guy that's reliable. I think he will play at the slot in the NFL. I know they've used him all over the place in college. And I think when you look at Debo, he's just really tough. Strong hands. He's somebody that thicker than a bowl of oatmeal, my boy. Yeah, he really is, man. He's probably going to play at like 215, and he is not the tallest guy in the world. But good for him coming back from that injury. I like Debo a lot. Most definitely. All right, let's move on to the shooting guard position. This is your burner, Connor. This is the absolute speed demon that can score from any spot on the floor, or in this case, the field. So obviously. The easy one to go with is either Paris Campbell or Hollywood Brown. And for me, I'm going to take (laughs) – you're passing on both. I'm going to take Paris Campbell here uh, just because I know he can take a speed sweep for 65 yards. We saw him do it against Michigan of all football teams. So, again, a number that I've heard consistently from our boy Daniel Jeremiah over there, move the sticks, 6.4 yards per carry on speed sweeps from wide receivers in the NFL in the past year. Um, I love Paris Campbell, not necessarily as the pass catcher, but as uh, an elite playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. Who's the shooting guard? Who can score from any spot on the football field, Connor? Man, it's Nicole Hardman for me from Georgia. You talk about a former five-star that can absolutely hit the gas and go. I mean, that's my guy right there. I love Nicole Hardman. He could fly, and he could do it on screen, sweeps, vertical, you know, passing plays. I think Nicole's going to – he's kind of getting slept on, but I love him as a player. No, I liked him a lot at Georgia, and, you know, a lot of mouths to feed at the University of Georgia. No doubt. Everyone knows that. I mean, they had talent everywhere across the field, so getting touches in that offense, an extremely hard thing to do. Let's move on to the three spot, the strong forward. This is the all-around guy, right, a receiver that may not be great at one thing, Connor, but he's really, really good 
everywhere, all right? To me, we just talked about a Georgia guy. I'm going to take Calvin Ridley here at my strong forward, and here's why. I know he didn't test well, Connor, but again, to me, this is a guy who's great at everything. You want a physical receiver? He can give you a little bit of that. You want a refined route runner? He may not be the cleanest route runner in the class, but he can do that as well. And again, I think he's got a vertical threat as well. What do you think about Calvin Ridley here at the strong forward spot for me out of Georgia? Yeah, I think when you look at Ridley, he's somebody that people are going to keep circling back to. Well, he only had, what, 500-plus yards over the last two years, you know, not combining the seasons, but separate seasons. And I got to see Riley against uh, against Greedy Williams this year in person, and that was a great matchup. So he is an all-around just solid guy. I'm going to go with Kelvin Harmon for me. I think he's kind of just a physical kind of player that, yeah, he ran a 4-6, but on film – He's out there beating guys, he's a really good route runner, and he wins the catch point. And he can make, you know, he can make a play after the catch. So Kelvin Harmon for me is that all-around solid guy that could be a possession guy, be a red zone guy. And he's shown that he's got some wheels deep at times. Yeah, so I flipped on the NC State Clemson game uh, just to kind of watch. I, I was originally intended there to watch the defensive line from Clemson and kind of see what Garrett Bradbury did against them. And immediately within like 10 plays, all I see is Kelvin oh, Harmon yeah. just torching people over the top. Um, so, yeah, I like that pick right there um, at strong forward in Kelvin Harmon. So let's move to the four, the power forward. And in the modern NBA, Connor, these are the biggest freaks uh, we got at the power forward position. So who's the freak? And it's easy to say DK Metcalf, obviously, at this spot. But for me, I'm going to take Hakeem Butler at Iowa State, six foot five, 230 pounds, ran the 4.48. And I'm telling you what, Connor, he straight up bitches people on film, my man. I'm taking – uh, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State right here at the four. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with DK. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that one, and I'll take No, I DK. left him there for you. I mean, I did yeah, it Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm here for you. Listen, I'm to if, you, you. if you got both those guys in the red zone, that'd be a lot of fun, right? I mean, you yeah. get one-on-one, throw them a fade. They can win over the top. They're bullies to both of them. And I tell you what, man, they came to the combine in Indy and showed everyone that they're just not big bruisers. Those guys can fly on the track for their size. Absolutely. So two freaks there going at the power forward position. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, a freak, right? I mean, Hakeem Butler, not a human being that you would think can do those types of things at 6'5", 230, and the same thing for DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss. So let's move on to the center position. This, to me, is as easy as we can put it, Connor. This is the best 50-50 guy in the draft, and I know you just hit on that a little bit uh, with DK Metcalf. But to me, the best 50-50 guy I saw on film in college football this year has got to be Nikhil Harry. I take him here because, again, I know this is his best trait. It's either to him, uh, to me, excuse me, uh, either him or Kelvin Harmon out of NC State. Again, two guys I constantly saw burning people deep and jumping over corners at the collegiate level. Uh, Who do you take here at the center position, my man? So this one's going to surprise you a little bit, but I'm going Pac-12 like you did. I'm going with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. You oh, want to talk about monster out of Stanford. Bodying guys. He'll, he will literally, like a center, box guys out in the you know near the uh, far pylon. So I, I love this dude in the red zone. He's a ton of fun. He All he does is catch touchdowns week after week. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he's probably going in the top of the third round, but he's somebody in a couple of years you're like, damn, this guy, all he does is make plays. Yeah, I don't know whose uh, basketball team beats who, but I kind of like my squad uh, going there. But then again, D.K. Metcalf, I bet he can hoop. I mean, if we're actually talking about hooping, I bet D.K. Metcalf can hoop. Um, Either way, uh, so who's the guy to you, Connor, that you're way way higher, excuse me, on in this draft than others? If you will, who's the hill 
that you're absolutely going to die on in this draft, Con? Oh, it's David Montgomery for me. I think everybody in the world has Josh Jacobs as their RB1 except me. I'm still riding with David Montgomery. I had that over the summer. That's my guy right there. I think he has elite contact balance. I think he's a good pass catcher, good pass protector, all-around good runner. People get hung up over that 40 time, which he actually improved on at his pro day. Got down to a 4.57. I don't care about his breakaway speed. That's not even what the game is all the time now. He's a guy that'll take three yards and he'll give you eight, and he'll take the eight there and give you 15. So I, I love David Montgomery. I don't think he goes in the first round. I think he goes at the end of the second, and I guarantee you we'll be talking about him in that rookie of the year conversation. All right, so anyone who's listened to the NFL Mox podcast at this point has heard me say this name multiple, multiple times. To me, man, the guy I am way higher on than most, and I've literally not heard his name on any other podcast, that's Elgin Jenkins, the center out of Mississippi State. I just don't think there's any way, Connor, this guy isn't a 10-year pro. Um, I watched two or three game films of this guy. As a former center, um, he does everything perfectly, man. I mean, he may not, and not only that, he can play guard if you want him to at the next level, too, so... My uh, guy I'm absolutely willing to die on is Elgin Jenkins in this class. I left you Ed Oliver there, but I'm extremely high on Ed Oliver. Other than, uh, uh, you know, a lot higher than other people. I don't understand the necessarily slip. Same. I, I know he's not necessarily the, the prototypical six foot four, 310-pound uh, interior defense alignment, but the guy is an absolute freak, and he plays with such a high motor. I don't think there's any way that guy flops at the NFL level. So if it's not Elgin Jenkins here for me, it's got to be uh, Ed Oliver. So Yeah, while I'm with you on that one, man. I am with you all the way. All right, absolutely. While we're talking about hills to die on, who's the hill you actually did die on? The guy you, in past drafts that you absolutely loved, you went to battle for, and then he ended up flopping on you in the league, Connor. That, that's a good one. I really liked Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech a couple of years ago. Ooh. And I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. He didn't last very long in Denver. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I thought he was a first round player, but I thought he could have been one of those day two playmakers. And of course, Denver took him, I think, in the third round. And he, it was just off field. I mean, he couldn't stay out of trouble. He couldn't stay healthy. Those are the two things that a lot of the times I've gotten a lot better at the off field one, but injuries one, you just can't predict that. And it's unfortunate because he was a really talented college football player. All right. So. Let's get to a team-specific question before we get into our uh, fan questions that we let out and uh, were sent in via Twitter. Um, So the Raiders have three picks in the first round, all right? And four in the first 45, I believe, is the number I heard today. So what's the best case for Raider fans? They come out of this first round, they had three picks, they went boom, boom, and boom, Connor. What's the best-case scenario for four, I think it's 24 and 27 for the Oakland Raiders what could they possibly come home with? And then on the flip end, what's the Colton Miller of this draft? How bad can Oakland make it here with these three first-round picks? I think if you're looking at four, it's Quinton Williams. It's kind of a no-brainer there. Or Ed Oliver. I mean, that's our guy. We go back to it. I think you get Quinton Williams or Ed Oliver, and those are two top three players for me in this draft. You'll be fine on that defensive line. That does need some help. I know they've made some picks there over the last year. They still need some help. Those are surefire talents. Connor, uh, I got know, one go, for you. Yeah. You ready? I got a stat for you. And you're more than welcome to use this on your podcast. <laughs> All right? So, last year, the Oakland Raiders had 13 total sacks on their defensive line. Or, as a team, total. Um, you know what the second to last uh, was in the NFL last year? Probably double that. 30. They had 30. Yeah, the second to last exactly. team had 30. They had 13. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. Take as many shots as you can at defensive line. To me, the spot does not matter. So, um, 
you know, I, I think that Colton Miller pick does not keep them from drafting another tackle in this draft at all. I think there's so many spots on this team. I think, honestly, they've got such a road to hoe, they might as well just take best available every single spot. It doesn't really matter who they've got. What, is, what are your thoughts on that, Colton? Or yeah, I, I think so. I think when you look at 24, you hope one of those top interior guys that could also play tackle falls there. I'd like to see them go after Cody Ford. And obviously they paid the big man from New England, you know, Trent Brown, a lot of money to play tackle. So him and Colton Miller will play tackle for them this year. They traded Kalecha Osemele to the Jets, so they got to get some interior help. And that's why I look at somebody like Cody Ford at 24 that could really get them that power run game back. All right, so what are your thoughts on that Trent Brown signing? I mean, highest paid tackle uh, in NFL history. I know that also, we always say that, right? It's the big catchphrase, it's the big headline. But, I mean, if anyone who's smart and anyone who follows the NFL knows, it also has a lot to do with the cap, you know, extending every single year. But then again, they still make this guy the highest paid NFL tackle, uh, you know, in the game. So what are your thoughts on that contract, and is it worth the value that they gave well, no free agent contract, they're often worth it in the open market because they're going to overpay. But I think of what he could do for you and how good he was in New England and a guy like John Gruden that will get the question with Trent Brown's always work ethic and keeping that mm-hmm. weight down. And, and, and I really think Gruden will manage that with him. I think he'll be in an environment that is boomer bust. They got a B there now. They have Derek Carr really fighting to hold on to that franchise quarterback spot for the future. And, and I think it will be a fiery environment that hopefully Trent Brown finds success in. But man, at the end of the day, that's definitely some big money. Most definitely. I mean, he's got absolutely paid. And from what I heard on Adam Lefko's show, um, he seems to be a rather humble and uh, smart decision maker when it comes to his money. Uh, so shout out to that young man. I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to Adam's uh, newest oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely did. Shout out to Lefko. He joined us as well here on the NFL Mocks podcast. You Bleacher Report guys are quite all right. Let's get into some of these fan questions. I've got at JL underscore Chapman asks, Connor, what do you think of the move for D Ford in San Francisco, and what does it mean for the 49ers at number two? Well, I think this made, this trade really did make sense for both sides. I don't love D Ford, but San Francisco needed some help on the edge, and this is why this is going to be successful for them. They're going to take Nick Bosa second overall, and D Ford is going to get the more favorable matchups because Nick Bosa is a better player, and that's where D Ford will shine. So. They did the contract structure perfectly. It's really a one-year, $21 million deal, so they can get out after this year if they're not content with him. I I like it, and I think it's going to be really productive for San Francisco having that kind of front four this year. No, I like it for sure. I mean, like you said, the contract, the way they set it up, it gives them the option to get out after one. So, you know, kind of make the guy, you know, go out there and prove and earn the second year of that contract and the second year of that deal. So, Connor, with the retirement of Gronk, are the Pats a guarantee to draft a tight end or two this year in the NFL draft? And will they have to trade up from 32 to do so, Connor? No, I don't think they do have to trade up, and I do think they'll get at least one tight end. TJ Hawkinson, no fan. Those guys will probably be gone. I don't think Irv Smith will be their type of guy, but you never know. There's plenty of other players. Dawson Knox at Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss is perfect for them. I think Drew Sample from Washington. I mean, the list really goes on and on in this deep tight end class, and New England's going to find a guy, and he's going to be a star with Tom Brady. Yeah, I definitely don't. I mean, I've seen a lot of Irv Smiths now uh, in mock drafts to them at 32. I'm with you. I don't think – Irv Smith is nearly uh, the type of prospect that they're interested in. You know, an undersized tight end who didn't necessarily test well, um, they're on the other end of all those things. You better be big and you better test well uh, or be an extremely smart football player to play for the New England Patriots. So I'm out on Irv Irv Smith there at 32. 
But again, I think I think you're right on uh, the you know the track right there with the fact that the tight end position is really really deep this year in the NFL draft. So uh, I think they got multiple shots there late in the rounds to uh, pick up a tight end and a replacement there uh, if you can. I mean, you're never going to replace Rob Gronkowski, right, Connor? I mean, but you can at least try to. So let's move on to at bolts underscore truck asked Connor. Is this the year the Chargers finally draft the future replacement for Phillip Rivers? If so, who will it be? Man, they might trade for him, and his name is Josh Rosen. That would really be something. So, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on. I think Chargers are firmly in the mix to add Rosen. It's been really buzzing since the combine. That was the first place that I heard it. And I think if I had to pick a team to get the deal done, I actually do think it's them, which would be a much smarter move than using a – you know, one of these early picks on a quarterback that's not named Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I don't necessarily are, – are they going to have to trade? What is that, the 28th pick I think they are no, right there? Or are second, they have, I think second rounder probably. Uh, they're, maybe they're maybe they'll sweep rounder. the pot. Yeah. I mean, that would be nice. If you could come out of the draft, uh, you know, with a first-round caliber, I think they need a, a, a serious big-time interior defensive lineman there late in the first round. I don't yep. think they have an interior defense lineman to not one to boot. I mean, they've tried to even at the later end of the last year to play Isaac Rochelle at the three technique there. Um, you know, I played against Isaac Rochelle in high school. I'll say nothing but great things about him, but he is a defensive end. He's a five technique. And if you don't have enough guys to fill out the roster uh, to the point to where he's playing three tech, uh, you probably need to draft one early. So I think that's what they do as well there. So on to at pack underscore daddy ask. The Packers made a lot of moves this offseason, Connor, but what do they do at number 12 to help out Aaron Rodgers? Oh, man, I don't think they're going to help out that side of the ball. I think they're going to go get a guy like Brian Burns on the edge and really just keep Hey-o. going at it for pass rush. I know they just signed Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And Zadarius Smith is somebody, if you actually watch his film last year, did, did his best work from the interior. So there's still a room, there's a spot to play if they do take a guy like Brian Burns. Maybe Devin Bush at middle linebacker. I mean, you want to talk about bringing attitude to a front seven. That's the dude right there. And they could use that other first-round pick to go get Aaron Rodgers' weapon. How about that? All right, so our last fan question, and this comes from one of our most loyal fans here on the NFL Mocks podcast, Connor. It's at Doug Holsenback, and he always has an interesting way of asking questions, and this is his way of asking. The the DBs in this draft, Connor, what the hell? I think that's his way of asking you to kind of rank them. Go go one through five just for, you know, kind of just a fun way to do it. One through five. Uh, Give it to me. Can I I break it down safeties and corners? You can do whatever you want here on the NFL (laughs) Mars podcast. Connor, go for it. I like it. I like it. I I think when you look at corner, Byron Murphy, one. uh, Greedy Williams, two. This is where it gets real interesting. I think I got Justin Lane at three. Break my heart. Break my heart. Which is real wild. I know. And then it gets gets kind of messy after this. Like, I don't really like a lot of these guys. DeAndre Baker has good film. Uh, I do, you know, have some other questions there. Trayvon Mullen, I'm not a big fan of. So I think uh, Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan is kind of a low-key name. People should keep an eye on at the back of the second round. So those are the top corners. And I, I didn't, I don't think Jawan Williams is really that great. I think mm. Julian Love is, is sneaky, actually pretty good. But, you know, I, I'd rather play him in the slot at the next level. Then you look at the safeties here. I like this group a little better to be honest with you right here. I think there's actually some athletes in this group. It all starts with Taylor Rapp. I mean, you want to talk about Mm. an absolute badass on the back end. Taylor Rapp is that dude. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's just so much cover skills with Chauncey, so much instincts. So he's number two for me. And then it really gets into this wild 
mixed up of guys like Nasir Adderley probably at three, Juan Thornhill at four, Deontay Thompson kind of hovering around the same spot, four or five. So safety group's a little more fun, but still not really that inspiring. No, I didn't hear Jonathan Abrams' name in there. No, oh, yeah. I it? No, it, you know what it is with Jonathan Abram? I like him. He's a solid player. I just think the value of that kind of player isn't really there anymore. Where you see too it, much Julius it, Peppers? Is that what you're telling me? I think when you look at when you look at him, he's a guy that's probably going to start a long time in the NFL. But what kind of impact is that guy going to make? I, and there's some injury questions there. So. Jonathan Abrams is probably a top 75 player for me when it comes down to it. But overall, I just think the cover guys matter so much more in this safety group. I mean, that's the way the NFL is going, so you're smart yeah. to do so. So here's a little segment we do always with our guest here on the NFL Mox Podcast. Connor, it's five under ten. I've got five questions Love for it. you. Let's do Try it. to be as quick as you can, uh, under ten seconds, starting with number one. I know you're balls deep in some film right now, <laughs> but – what are you watching on Netflix? What's the go-to on Netflix right now for one Connor Rogers? Oh, shit, I'm not watching anything. I'm re-watching Game of Thrones until it comes back on. That's what I'm doing right now. You're a GOAT man. You're a GOT man. I like that. <laughs> Die hard. All right, spoiler alert, but um, how pissed off were you when Ned Stark died? I, 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 I was so, so mad. It's the stupidest I, thing I think a producer's ever done. But then again, who am I to question a multi-billion dollar uh, film industry. So, oh, you know what? Oh, am I wrong there? Ned Stark, how do you no, kill the guy? It, it set up the whole show, but at the time, it was infuriating. I mean, I think he, he had to be everyone's favorite character, especially, like, when you're binge-watching, you're like, this dude is a freaking G. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, head on a stake from some 12-year-old boy. But nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. let's move on to question number two. The song you're most embarrassed to admit you know every single word to, Connor. What is it? Oh, man, that's a that's a really good one. I don't know. Pro, uh, How whoop. about a little photograph from Nickelback? I know you know that uh, one. No, I could probably do that one. Yeah, I everyone do does. I feel, I feel like uh, anything from Smash Mouth, oh. they had a really good run. Yeah, you, that was should, like a, I, you should yeah, definitely like be a, embarrassed to say anything yeah, about Smash Mouth. I know, Mouth. especially... They also talk shit. They also talk shit to my co-host Matt Miller all the time on Twitter. So it's even worse now. It's like Smash my Mouth has grounds my, to talk shit. Yeah, go look at their Twitter. It is. Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll be shocked. I mean, Matt. You, both of you guys have really strong Twitter games, but Matt seems to really, really get the shit on Twitter. Yeah. Like everyone's yeah, really coming it. for his throat, man. <laughs> everyone's coming for his throat every time I turn on Twitter. Um, but anyways, let's get on to number three. If you had one meal to eat every single day the rest of your life with absolutely no consequences what would it be oh man uh ribeye with baked potato and broccoli i gotta go the buffalo chicken finger plate six pieces from zaxby's tongue torch give it to me i don't know if you guys i know you're a northern boy so you don't you you don't know about that zaxby's life you don't know about that zaxby's life but the next time you come down here to the good old south make sure you roll through a zaxby's okay connor I'm telling I you right now, you. it's going to change I'll your give life. You, I'll give you the review next time I'm on. It's the, I mean, the obvious things to do when you get here in the South is to immediately hit up a Waffle House because there's one at every single exit off the interstate here that. in Georgia. So, I mean, but you can't do that in the daylight hours. That's got to be at least a 12-pack deep to roll through the Waffle House, or as my dad calls it, the awful waffle. And the other thing <laughs> you absolutely have to do is hit up some Zaxby's or some Chick-fil-A, but I'm sure they got Chick-fil-A up there in your area by now. Yeah, we happen. got Chick-fil-A in Manhattan now, dude. I mean, that's yeah. big time. I bet that joint is stuffed at all times of the day. Let's get on to Not number stuffed. four, Connor. 
the movie that you watch every time you stroll through it on your, on your TV guide, a can't pass. To me, I'll give you the example. It's not on TV very often, but anytime it is, I've got to watch it, and that's Like Mike featuring Lil Bow Wow. Wow, that's a horrible choice. Um, I, I gotta go. Damn, with, you're a hater. Yeah, yeah. That, I just wouldn't stop my schedule to keep watching like Mike. That's hilarious. I mean, I got a couple. I think The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, uh, man, any of the Rocky movies, just classics. I'll watch over and over again. No, uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's an. That's, oh yeah, that's, an that's actually that's actually the best one because if it's on, I will watch it no matter what. I can't believe you shit on my like Mike taste. That tells me Man, we're a little I bit. I know you're only I've, like five or six years older than me. I know you love that movie. I've seen. Come it, on, little T Mac. I don't want to just keep watching it. Come like, on, it, the paint. The paint scene with Murph. Enough. The paint scene with Murph. He teaches them how to run the triangle. Connor, come on. Oh my On the God. wall, bro. Man, come that on. Ain't it. <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> All right, anyways, last question I got for you here on 5 on 10, or excuse me, 5 and 10. First guy uh, drafted on day three to make a Pro Bowl. I know that's a really, really hard question. Woo! You've really got to hit on this sleeper. First guy yeah. to be drafted on Man, day three to make a Pro that... Bowl. How about that? Hardest question you've been asked no, in this like pre-draft it, like contest. It. I mean, let's, let's be real here. It's probably going to be a running back, and I can see somebody like, Daryl Henderson or Miles Sanders or one of those running backs, Damian Harris, one of those three is going to, one of those guys is going to fall to day three. And I wouldn't be shocked if those guys uh, have some really good rushing years ahead of them. Yeah. Running backs pop out of nowhere. It seems like nowadays in the NFL. Um, but anyways, Connor Rogers, Bleacher Reports own co-host of the stick to football podcast. Connor, man, I really appreciate you for joining us here on the NFL podcast or NFL Mox oh. podcast, brother. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.